and welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast, Tuesday, March 16th. Jake Chapman here with you, the Magic, with a couple days off here to rest up a little bit, get into the practice gym. Uh, losers on Sunday night at the Amway Center, 102-97 to the Miami Heat. Next up will be the New York Knicks. That's on Thursday in New York. And then you play Brooklyn, but not up in Brooklyn. You come back to Amway Center on Friday night to play the star-studded Brooklyn Nets. The schedule about to get very, very difficult and unforgiving and the Magic at 13 and 26 now on the season, just hoping to get healthy over the next few weeks, get some bodies back, and with the trade deadline looming, it could be a very, very transformative week and a half or so for the Orlando Magic. Hey, Magic fans, the Florida Department of Transportation reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great day and drive safe. And very excited to speak for the first time on Magic Weekly with my guest this week. She's the interim sports editor uh, for the Orlando Sentinel, co-founder of ProSoccerUSA.com, and the voice behind Moms at Work, a unique section to the Orlando Sentinel. And yes, she is a mother, and oh, by the way, an owner of Rescue Dogs and Cats. Uh, Alicia Delcalo, my guest this week. Alicia, I got all that off your Twitter bio, so I'm sure there are other (laughs) less formal job titles that you hold. Would you like to add anything to your current list of responsibilities, or, or are you happy with that rundown? I was just thinking, I packed a lot a lot of information in there <laughs> in two sentences. Well, that's that's the mark of a good editor, I believe. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. Okay, all right, so so right off the rip, with all of that said, um, what is a day in the life of Alicia Delgado like over the last year? Um, my days have varied wildly over the last year. <laughs> so um, the beginning of 2020, I was still, um, in charge of Pro Soccer USA, um, editing 20 plus reporters across the country, covering um, men's and women's soccer in the United States and Canada. And I think it was February, I took a trip to New York. I was six months pregnant at the time, five or six months pregnant. And I went to cover the uh, 25th anniversary kickoff meeting for Major League Soccer. And on the way back, word that a coronavirus, a COVID-19 case uh, had been found in not just Washington anymore, but in other areas. And shortly after I returned, everyone went down into lockdown. So that was a year ago, just two days ago, or yesterday, just yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then I life changed drastically. Um, Shortly after, they decided to scale back on Pro Soccer USA. And so we were shutting down um, as long as the leagues were shutting down, which was devastating after two years of, um, you know, putting everything, all my energy and all my heart uh, into building this website and, um, you know, having a great staff of freelancers along too. We kind of felt like family. So, that was that was a difficult time, but we still had a lot of support in the company for it. It just uh, was a difficult period for everybody. And so then in June, I had my daughter, Grace, and for three months, I was on maternity leave, and I was just recovering and taking care of her um, along with my husband. And then I came back to work in a much different capacity, still trying to um, lobby to restart 
Pro Soccer USA at some point this year or next year and um, getting back to writing. So I covered some, you know, I did a feature story on the NBA bubble. I started, started back up the Moms at Work channel for Orlando Sentinel where I was writing columns about life with grace and um, different experiences that we went through. First, you know, my birth experience, which was uh, <laughs> not boring. And then, um, you know, our first trip to the emergency room and just a variety of things. And I also was backing up Ileana at the time as deputy sports editor until my days changed drastically again two weeks ago when she yeah. left. Yeah, two weeks ago, she leaves to become the deputy sports editor at the Los Angeles Times. We're talking about Ileana uh, Limon Romero. And, and you slide in as interim sports editor for the Orlando Sentinel. And it, it felt like, you know, it's Women's History Month. And so I wanted to, I wanted to focus the podcast um, this week and throughout the month um, on women in sports and women in journalism in general. And it felt to me like this is a perfect opportunity to speak with you because I'm not sure, like I, I don't have the numbers or the research on um, how many posts, you know, across the country at big, big successful uh, historic newspapers like the Orlando Sentinel um, had a team of an editor and a deputy sports editor, sports specifically, um, that were both women. But it it seems like it's it, it it's a fairly monumental or landmark um, um, move. And she is, you know, Ileana has a reputation that um, is nationwide, and and we know she's going to go and just kick butt in Los Angeles. But has it occurred to you that you know that this is um, this is a sign, I think, of, of, of the way we're actually progressing. Like, there's still so much work to be done uh, as far as women in sports broadcasting and sports journalism goes, but it's got to be, it's got to feel really good to have had a mentor like that um, who has her work recognized and is, uh, is moving to an institution like the Los Angeles Times, um, and that for you to, uh, to slide in and pick up the slack. How has that all felt? What's it been like? Uh, I mean, when you put it that way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> feels, uh, feels pretty you're, good. You're, you're too busy to think about that, aren't you? <laughs> no, um, I mean, it's just been such a grind for so many years, and I have relied on Ileana for, for years, and she has been, like you said, a mentor and a ph phenomenal editor, but also she's given me the space to learn and grow, and in my case, um, you know, championed a crazy idea I had with the company that was then greenlighted so that I could start my own project. Um, and then to come back under her uh, last year was like coming, you know, <laughs> being home again, which of course she would jump in and help with Pro Soccer USA, which I don't even know where she found the time to do that with doing her real job <laughs> as a sports editor of the Orlando Sentinel. But she was also... Uh, helping me with Pro Soccer USA a lot, particularly when I went to cover the World Cup in France uh, in 2019. And she took over editing duty duties of Pro Soccer USA as well. So it's been such just putting our heads down and working for so long that I almost felt like she was never going to leave. Mm. <laughs> like I would never be without her. And so it really came as a shock and it was almost like I had to process, of course, so super happy for her and um, happy to have a, a new growth opportunity for myself as well. 
But at the same time, uh, my first reaction was to uh, get a little emotional and say like, no, you can't leave me. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, we've just been such a great team for so long. But yeah, they're, they're you know, she was the only Latina uh, woman sports editor in the country. There's few sports editors, um, you know, far fewer sports editors who are women than men. Um, we have another, we have two others um, that I know of that I've spoken to already at the Chicago Tribune and Sun Sentinel as well. So I feel like as a whole, um, we did, we may, yeah, we may have been kind of, leading the way in, in progress in that area. Do you feel like, because as I sat down and tried to sort of organize my thoughts for this, um, so like quick background with me, I was, I worked for the Orlando Magic for six seasons and then I went back up north to where I'm from, uh, Cleveland, Detroit first and then Cleveland, and I worked in local sports talk radio uh, in both of those markets. And so I've seen sort of both sides over the last 15 years or so of, um, of the business in that regard. The Magic are very progressive and forward thinking and committed to diversity uh, from the executive level down. Sports talk radio is not necessarily. And I was sitting there going like, I was in Detroit hosting afternoon drive for this station that's no longer a, a station. This might be part Y. Um, and this is in 2015 or 16. And I'm debating people on these like primitive misogynistic stances like Aaron Andrews deserves people spying on her because she puts herself in the spotlight or, um, or, or is it okay just not to like the sound of a woman doing play by play? And that's five years ago. And I know we're not out of the woods yet as far as those viewpoints go. Um, but I think sports talk radio is still stuck in the past a bit. Um, maybe, you know, pro probably very much so. And it feels like print journalism is, is more progressive. It feels like print journalism is, um, is, is just further along. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? And if so, why? I mean, oh, and there's my rescue dog. For you. <laughs> um, it's I in gen. I don't like to make general, large, sweeping generalizations uh, mm. typically because I know that so much time and work and effort goes into each individual uh, market and um, project there. But I will say. Um, Yes, to your point, I don't have experience in in working directly with sports talk radio, uh, but I don't hear a lot of women's voices in sports talk radio when I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that for sure. I think that there has been um, a lot of progress in print and a lot of... Um, in my experience at the Sentinel, a lot of men behind the scenes who support and champion uh, the women who are in the department and moving forward as well. So that kind of culture that you're speaking of, well, I've, I heard some comments here and there when I, when I first started about, um, you know, what was one that stuck out to me when I very first started that I was kind of surprised at was, oh, I just don't, there's not, any women sports writers that I like reading. And I said, well, do you know, do you know of any? Right, right. <laughs> Can you name Two. them for me? <laughs> Who don't you like reading and why? <laughs> and you know, they just, they, no, they couldn't. Um, so while I've heard 
comments like that, of course. I never really, our culture at the Sentinel was never like that. Yeah. I always had um, the support. I never felt like I was a woman in a sports department, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so from my experience, I agree with you, but I also don't want to say that's the case in every newspaper and every um, radio station. No, absolutely. I think it's, um, I mean, and I've worked with some very, very progressive and, and great people. And I've worked with, with, with in sports talk settings um, with many women. I mean, it's not just a, it's not a completely male dominated field, um, but it does. When I compare the two. Well, it is and, completely male dominated, okay. but, All right. All right. <laughs> but there are women in it and it's still dominated by men. How does, okay. So how does that, like, what's the biggest change that you think? Like I, um, I, sometimes I feel like Orlando would be the perfect place uh, for a woman in sports journalism because basically the two main sports here are basketball and soccer. And I feel like those two are somewhat at the forefront um, of, of championing those issues uh, for a variety of reasons. I think, I think the UN's women's national team obviously is, um, is a very um, prominent and, and positive source um, of kind of getting women's sports a little bit more into the mainstream and I think the WNBA has, um, it, it has, you know, risen in, in prominence over the last decade or so. But a lot of the, the issues that we discuss are like the wage gap. And then with basketball, it's, it's about promotion and marketing. Put us on TV and people will watch. And then the yeah. argument inevitably goes to, well, you know, it, it, women don't make as much because the TV ratings aren't there. And then women say, well, it's because you're not putting us on TV or promoting or marketing us. Right. When you think about the the progress that needs to be made as far as, um, and this is more about the sports, I guess, in general, as opposed to the, to the journalistic aspect of it. Um, what are some, some changes that you think are the most important um, that people like, you know, Megan Rapinoe and, um, and, and members of the WNBA um, are typically fighting for? What, what needs to happen um, first and foremost? I mean, first and foremost, uh compensation equal to the work that they're putting in yeah um so there's a i know there's a lot of nuance um issues and and different things that are negotiated but the bottom line is that are they getting paid the same that men would for the same job and the answer typically is no so um tennis is very good about that Mm. um but most other sports are not uh, fair media coverage, like you said, because it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, because if you're not getting the coverage, you're not growing the audience, you're not going to get the numbers, you're not going to get the advertisers. And then it's just a circular argument that is never going to end. So some things that I've seen in recent years, um, heavy investment into covering the Women's World Cup in 2019 was big. Fox Sports put out put a lot of effort and blew out that coverage and they saw the returns on that. So trying to sit down and have those conversations about, you know, if the people in charge are saying, well, we don't see the numbers, we don't see the money, then getting them to understand, well, this might be why. So let's try this for a while. What if we put in the same amount of effort and the same amount of time, the same amount of coverage into covering women's sports 
for as long as we have done that for men's sports. That's a, that's yeah. a big aspect of it too, right? I mean, we're talking right. about you can't just decades do, okay, of history. We're going to give you like six weeks to test it out and like, nope, sorry, not seeing the return. Like, I mean, we're, like you said, decades and decades and decades behind in that aspect. And so getting people to understand that there's a reason why um, there's lower coverage and lower interest and lower numbers in certain, in certain aspects. And it's because, you know, not within our life, like within people's lifetimes um, that are still alive, women were banned from even participating in sports. Right. So, I mean, there's just, you have, there's so much ground to make up. And, um, I think that that's an aspect of conversation that people like to forget and glaze over. If you're talking about just everyday conversations with people arguing the other side of it, um, they like to forget that, that women were, you know, suppressed and left out and forbidden from partaking in sports for so long. Yeah. It's the difference between equality and equity, right? Like, and, and again, I've seen it, you know, I'm, I'm 37 years old in a few days and it has changed so much from in the last 15 years from the time I came out of college, um, let alone going back a few decades. Will you just help me a little bit with your journey? Like, have there been inflection points? You mentioned Ileana. I'm sure she's been huge mm-hmm. for you throughout your career, but um, as you go back to, to the beginning um, what were some opportunities or, um, or, or moments or points where um, things sort of changed for you, be it for, for the better or for the worse? Um, and, and just kind of take me through your path a little bit. For, for, you know, for people out there listening, I mean, it's, gosh, the, the world has changed so much, you know, going back to, to when I came out um, of college. I mean, I, I, I wrote for the student newspaper at Ohio State. We didn't have a broadcasting program, you know, I'm doing internships then and yeah, we were on different tracks. So I was in the print track and there was a TV track and now that, and there was like a digital track or something. Now they're all combined. Exactly. And, you know, it's somebody like you, you know, you, you, you do the Facebook lives and you, we have to wear all these different hats these days. Um, and I think it's cool. I think it's, you know, it's, it's where it's headed. Um, but, you know, silly me, I thought I was going to get to write for newspapers and do radio uh, when, I, <laughs> when I graduated and, uh, and things change rather rapidly. Um, just take me through your path a little bit, if you would. Yeah. Um, so I, I went to journalism school, not particularly focused on becoming a sports journalist, just a journalist in general. And I was very fortunate at UCF to be there um, during one of the rare semesters that they did a sports journalism class. Mm. And so um, Professor Rick Brunson, another mentor of mine, was teaching that class and I signed up, I think, um, I don't know how many, maybe there were like 20, 20 of us in there. And Brunson worked for the Sentinel for years. He was still working part-time on the copy desk there. And he was also uh, working part-time for WFTV channel nine. And so his classes were, I signed up for all of them that I could get after I, after my first one with him, because all of our assignments were submitted to either channel nine or the Orlando Sentinel. And if they were good enough, they were published. Mm. So that's that's where we got, I got a lot of my first clips and my um, professional experience with, with editors. And so one of the assignments in the sports reporting class, uh, he asked the class, 
does anyone want to go cover NASCAR Media Day? Like they, for the Daytona 500. Um, you, you'll go cover it as part of the Orlando Sentinel and you'll write a notebook off of it. And if it's good enough, the Sentinel will publish it. My hand shot up because like, why, you know, <laughs> hello. <Sure. laughs> we're, we're, you know, wannabe reporters in a sports journalism class. You're going to cover one of the biggest media days in the country and get it, get an article published in the Sentinel. Come on. So, um, but my hand was the only one that went up. <laughs> wow. And um, to this day, like he just mentioned it on Facebook in a different post and uh, I kind of forgot about it, but I'm like, I think back and I'm like, why, why was I the only one who raised my hand? That makes no sense to me. Um, but I did. So I went out, I did that. I did well. From there, I got an internship with the Sentinel as a sports reporting intern. I did well at that, even though my editor at the time, the former high school editor, Steve Ruiz, made me cry multiple times. <laughs> um, he was a great, great editor. Like, you could not make one mistake, one typo, like nothing got by him. <laughs> so, of course, when you're juggling like classes and you're a college student and, you know, that was, that was fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then after I graduated, um, I got a call from Steve and he said, hey, look, we don't have anything open in sports right now, but there's an online producer position open and uh, I think you should take it so that you're in the company for when a position opens yep. in sports. And so I went to interview, I got the job um, two weeks later a high school sports reporting position opened at the Sentinel and they asked if I wanted it. And I almost felt like I was, even though it's the same company, my online editor liked me <laughs> and I liked him. And he, uh, he lobbied for me to stay on his team instead of go over to sports. So I felt like I was in a really tight spot and I um, felt like I was quitting a job after two weeks, which, was, right. which is horrible, you know? <laughs> even though I was only moving across the newsroom um, and it wasn't like viewed like that. That's how I felt. So I felt really guilty and awful, but I knew, I knew that I wanted to be a reporter and I didn't want to, you know, just work in online. Producing. Yep. Oh, sorry. Hopefully you're editing my dog's barks out of this. Oh, well, I, mean, I don't know. They add character. What's the dog's name? Georgie. Okay. Georgie. Yeah. I'll, put, I'll uh, When I write it up, I'll put, I'll put, uh, that I interviewed Alicia and Georgie for, yeah. for the podcast. Oh, he'll be so happy. No, um, yeah, so so I moved over. I started covering high schools. And um, that is where um, another, you know, great learning opportunity came because not only was I writing about uh, high school sports, but I also would go – back then we had a larger team of high school reporters. And so – a lot of us would go take big cameras, like broadcast cameras, and go shoot from the roofs of the, um, the high school press boxes. Mm -hmm. And so I have like this, tri this huge tripod, this huge bag with a camera in it, then my laptop bag. And I'm not like a, I'm not a very big person. <laughs> so I have all this like slung across me and like climbing up this, these ladders up onto the tops of the high school football stadium oh my gosh. to shoot and and if you know any you know if you've been in florida for any amount of time doing that in august yeah it's not fun no 
you're either gonna be, you know, dying of heat or you're getting rained on and like lightning storms and you're on a roof with metal equipment. So, you know. Wow. So <laughs> then we would go back. We would go back at like midnight after the games were over. We'd go back to the office and we would do voiceovers and, and edit together highlights. So I learned how to edit. I learned how to shoot. I learned how to, you know, do voiceovers and things like that and write short little scripts. And so that was a really big learning moment too. Um, after a couple of seasons covering high schools is when the Orlando City Beat opened and I, and I moved over from there and then the rest is history. The rest is history. But it, okay, <laughs> so, so my takeaways are first and foremost, like it sounds like the moment your hand shot up was, was like the, the defining moment basically going back, like be available, right? I mean, I can't imagine what the rest of the people in that class think uh, when they see a post like that from Rick or, um, you know, especially when you're that age. I mean, you know, you just have to be available and and ready to go at, at any moment's notice. And then the whole part about climbing up and, and having all the stuff slung across you, um, that's you better wear multiple hats in this business. You better, A, be available and, and do whatever and learn quickly and learn to edit and do all of those things. Um, but if you, you know, you can't just be a writer anymore. You can't just be an editor anymore, right? Like you have to have a voice and you have to be able to shoot. Um, and what I've always learned and, you know, I don't think my experiences are as varied as yours are, but there's always going to be that day where somebody's out sick and they are going to look around the newsroom or look around the studio and say, you know, who can do updates today? Who can produce today? Um, who can edit today? And, if even if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> raise your hand uh, and jump in there and, and and learn on the fly. I think that's I think that's probably true across all fields, but certainly in journalism and broadcasting. I mean, uh, you better be willing to to scare yourself to jump in, um, and you better be available because if not, they'll find somebody else. Yeah, you know, Eliana was great at that too. So in her role as editor, she would jump in across the newsroom. And I really, I really would notice that. And yeah. she, you know, worked her butt off. But if the news director was out or if something happened with one of the other editors in a different department, she, you know, she was one of the only people sometimes that knew how to do their job and could step in and do it. And so it's on all levels. But also I actually have to give another one of Brunson's classes a shout out because I, I his name I want to say it was Zach McCann, might not have been, but in one of Brunson's classes um, prior to that, I think it was a different class, he had him, he had like speakers Skype in or, you know, it was Skype, it wasn't Zoom. Right. <laughs> and, and talked to the class and it stuck with me. One thing he said was, um, when I was in school I never said no I said yes to everything yep. and so I was like okay so let me try that you know let me try you know let me try saying yes to everything and I'll tell you saying yes to everything is unsustainable <laughs> mm. but I did it killed myself for a semester my final uh my final semester at UCF I said yes to everything. I had the internship with the Sentinel. I had four classes. I had a part-time job at Ivanhoe Broadcast News, which is um, 
which is actually based in Winter Park, and they would produce TV uh, packages about health for for radio for TV stations across the country. And um, I had another part-time job, and then I somehow got my first 4.0 that semester. Wow. <laughs> and so, like, looking back, I'm like, I don't know how I did all of that. I'm pretty sure I felt like I was going to die every single day. I don't know, you know, but I said yes to everything, and good things came out of it. So I wouldn't recommend that for an entire life. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's something that you want in a particular moment um, and you think you can you can do it, uh, that was probably a defining thing for me. And then also just being open to whatever paths open in front of you, even if they're not what you imagined. See, and that's something too. Like I, when I when I was at uh, when I was in college, there there was literally a meeting that. Um, I was late to and they chose the two sports reporters for you know for the season and that was like okay so now I'm not going to be a sports reporter all throughout college like I'm not going to cover Ohio State football because I was late and I kicked myself for I don't know a week or two and then I said all right well guess what if I want to do sports eventually I'll be able to do sports let me learn how to write the campus beat and the police beat and do all these different things um, and then eventually I made my way back into sports through internships and through all these other different avenues um, but I think that too often, you know, like, sure, it's great to identify a goal and then, you know, sort of singularly go and do that. But I think you have to be open minded. I think you have to have um, different options and different paths. And you have to sort of allow the opportunities to decide what you do and where you go, as opposed to just be like stringent, like this is, you know, th this is the only thing that I want to do. And I'm going to make sure that happens. I realize different, you know, personalities um, it goes different ways, but you know, you're not always going to get exactly what you want. And as long as you work hard at whatever it is you're doing at that point, um, then I think good things happen when all is said and done. I've probably took up too much, far too much of your time. Um, I really appreciate the time. And I have one quite funny story for you though, before okay, you go. go. No, go for it. I'm from Massachusetts. Okay. Born and raised. When I was probably, God, I must have been eight years old, maybe. I uh, somehow, one of my mom's friends who had a daughter the same age as me, convinced her when we were all hanging out one day, her daughter wanted to go to this um, like model call. There was no other details. It was like a local thing. Didn't know who it was for, what it was for, anything. Her daughter wanted to go. My mom said, no way. And she said, you know, please, 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 like, let's just bring them. So my mom gave in. She's like, you have to bring a photo. And the only photo we had was my like coach's pitch, like <laughs> photo <Okay. laughs> of baseball and yeah. I'm in uniform. So we go and I'm like, oh, this is so dumb. And we bring the photo and we get a call like two days later. And they're like, why did you bring that photo of you in a sports uniform? Did someone tell you what this was for? And my mom was like, no, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, you're, we want your daughter for, for this. This is for an ad with the Orlando Magic and Spalding Sports. What? <laughs> yeah. And I have no ties, no ties to Orlando, like nothing. And so she's like, okay. So for three days up in Massachusetts, we shot like, um, it was for Sports Illustrated for Kids. They were in like six episodes or six, yeah, six editions. Edition. And I'm like, 
outside playing basketball, looking at like a blank side of a barn in Massachusetts. But the final ad was Shaq and the Orlando Magic like coming through the barn. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> do, you, do you still have it? Does it live anywhere online? I don't know if it lives online, but I have copies of the. Well, you know, I might have took pictures and posted them a couple years ago. I can try to find them and send them to you. That but is I, incredible. It's so funny, like, and then I ended up going to UCF and I ended up at the like writing for the Orlando Sentinel, and I'm I'm talking to you. Serendipity. It's like crazy to me, that, but yeah. That, so I'm in six <laughs> episodes or six editions of Sports Illustrated for kids staring up at the magic, like teleporting through buildings all because of the coach's pick uh coach's pitch picture right that's that's incredible no that's i mean that's awesome and i like that's um sometimes that it's like it comes full circle like that Um, right there might there must have been some you know cosmic forces at play a hundred percent um i thank you for sharing like i I hit you with a whole bunch of deep and probing questions and I'm not sure you were prepared for that because I didn't really tell you. I was like, yeah, we're just going to talk about being a woman in sports. Um, But I really appreciate you sharing and um, best of luck. I know you're going to kick ass um, in place of Ileana, the the Sentinel, which is a a phenomenal newspaper um, in the sports department specifically is in very good hands. She's Alicia Delgado. Follow her on Twitter, OS Alicia D at OS Alicia D. Um, interim sports editor at the Orlando Sentinel, co-founder ProSoccerUSA.com, in charge of Moms at Work, which by the way, Moms at Work, uh, make sure you follow that at Moms at Work. Very cool perspective um, about being a mom at work. Rescue dog and cat owner. I know Georgie, I don't know the cat. Um, Onyx. Onyx. Uh, child model for the Orlando Sentinel, <laughs> for the Orlando Magic. Uh, all of these things. Alicia, thanks so much. This has been great. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Jake Chapman here with you. Follow me on Twitter as well. It's at Jake Chapman OM. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Magic Weekly Podcast. Until then, stay safe, everybody.